Thank you for listening to this free audiobook created by Project Gutenberg and Microsoft AI. To learn more about the project or give feedback on the quality of a recording, please visit aka.ms/audiobook. The Slanderer by Anton Chekhov translated by Hermann Bernstein. Copyright 1901 by The Globe and Commercial Advertiser. Sergei Kapitomikhinyev, the teacher of calligraphy, gave his daughter Natalia in marriage to the teacher of history and geography, Ivan Petrovich Lashadinik. The wedding feast went on swimmingly. They sang, played, and danced in the parlor. Waiters, hired for the occasion from the club, bustled about hither and thither like madmen, in black frock coats and soiled white neckties. A loud noise of voices smote the air. From the outside people looked in at the windows. Their social standing gave them no right to enter. Just at midnight the host, Akiniev, made his way to the kitchen to see whether everything was ready for the supper. The kitchen was filled with smoke from the floor to the ceiling. The smoke reeked with the odors of geese, ducks, and many other things. Vittles and beverages were scattered about on two tables in artistic disorder. Marfa, the cook, a stout, red-faced woman, was busying herself near the loaded tables. Show me the sturgeon, dear, said Akiniev, rubbing his hands and licking his lips. What a fine odor! I could just devour the whole kitchen! Well, let me see the sturgeon! Marfa walked up to one of the benches and carefully lifted a greasy newspaper. Beneath that paper, in a huge dish, lay a big fat sturgeon, amid capers, olives, and carrots. Akiniev glanced at the sturgeon and heaved a sigh of relief. His face became radiant, his eyes rolled. He bent down, and smacking his lips, gave vent to a sound like a creaking wheel. He stood a while, then snapped his fingers for pleasure, and smacked his lips once more. Bah! The sound of a hearty kiss. Whom have you been kissing there, Marfusha? Someone's voice was heard from the adjoining room, and soon the closely cropped head of Vankin, the assistant school instructor, appeared in the doorway. Whom have you been kissing here? Ah, Very good. Sergei Kapitanik. A fine old man indeed. With the female sex tete-a-tete. I wasn't kissing at all, said Akiniev, confused. Who told you, you fool? I only smacked my lips on account of, in consideration of my pleasure, at the sight of the fish. Tell that to someone else, not to me, exclaimed Vangin whose face expanded into a broad smile as he disappeared behind the door. Akiniev blushed. The devil knows what may be the outcome of this, he thought. He'll go about tailbearing now, the rascal. He'll disgrace me before the whole town, the brute. Akiniev entered the parlor timidly and cast furtive glances to see what Vankin was doing. Vankin stood near the piano and, deftly bending down, whispered something to the inspector's sister-in-law who was laughing. That's about me, thought Akiniev. About me, the devil take him. She believes him, she's laughing. My God! No, that mustn't be left like that. No, I'll have to fix it so that no one shall believe him. I'll speak to all of them, and he'll remain a foolish gossip in the end. Akiniev scratched his head, and still confused, walked up to Patakoy. I was in the kitchen a little while ago, arranging things there for the supper, he said to the Frenchman. You like fish, I know, and I have a sturgeon just so big. About two yards. 
Ha ha ha! Yes, by the way, I have almost forgotten. There was a real anecdote about that sturgeon in the kitchen. I entered the kitchen a little while ago and wanted to examine the food. I glanced at the sturgeon and for pleasure, I smacked my lips. It was so piquant. And just at that moment the fool Vankin entered and says, Ha ha ha, and says, A a. Ah, you have been kissing here? With Marfa? Just think of it, with the cook. What a piece of invention, that blockhead. The woman is ugly, she looks like a monkey, and he says we were kissing. What a queer fellow. Who's a queer fellow? asked Tarantulov, as he approached them. I referred to Van Kin. I went out into the kitchen. The story of Marfa and the sturgeon was repeated. That makes me laugh. What a queer fellow he is. In my opinion it is more pleasant to kiss the dog than to kiss Marfa, added Akinayev, and turning around he noticed Mzda. We have been speaking about Vankin, he said to him. What a queer fellow. He entered the kitchen and noticed me standing beside Marfa, and immediately he began to invent different stories. What? He says, you have been kissing each other. He was drunk, so he must have been dreaming. And I, I said, I would rather kiss a duck than kiss Marfa. And I have a wife, said I, you fool. He made me appear ridiculous. Who made you appear ridiculous? Inquired the teacher of religion, addressing Akinayev. Vankin. I was standing in the kitchen, you know, and looking at the sturgeon, and so forth. In about half an hour all the guests knew the story about Vankin and the sturgeon. Now let him tell, thought Akinayev, rubbing his hands. Let him do it. He'll start to tell them, and they'll cut him short. Don't talk nonsense, you fool. We know all about it. And Akinayev felt so much appeased that, for joy, he drank four glasses of brandy over and above his fill. Having escorted his daughter to her room, he went to his own and soon slept the sleep of an innocent child, and on the following day he no longer remembered the story of the sturgeon. But, alas, man proposes and God disposes. The evil tongue does its wicked work, and even Akinayev's cunning did not do him any good. One week later, on a Wednesday, after the third lesson, when Akinayev stood in the teacher's room and discussed the vicious inclinations of the pupil Vizikin, the director approached him and beckoning to him, called him aside. See here, Sergei Kapitanik, said the director. Pardon me. It isn't my affair, yet I must make it clear to you, nevertheless. It is my duty. You see, rumors are on foot that you are on intimate terms with that woman, with your cook. It isn't my affair, but you may be on intimate terms with her. You may kiss her. You may do whatever you like, but please, don't do it so openly. I beg of you. Don't forget that you are a pedagogue. Akinayev stood as though frozen and petrified. Like one stung by a swarm of bees and scalded with boiling water, he went home. On his way it seemed to him as though the whole town stared at him as at one besmeared with tar. At home new troubles awaited him. Why don't you eat anything? Asked his wife at their dinner. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about Cupid, eh? You are longing for Marfushka. I know everything already, you Mohammed. Kind people have opened my eyes, you barbarian. And she slapped him on the cheek. He rose from the table, and staggering, without cap or coat, directed his footsteps toward Vankin. The latter was at home. You rascal, he said to Vankin. Why have you covered me with mud before the whole world? 
Why have you slandered me? How, what slander? What are you inventing? And who told everybody that I was kissing Marfa? Not you, perhaps? Not you, you murderer? Vankin began to blink his eyes, and all the fibers of his face began to quiver. He lifted his eyes toward the image and ejaculated. May God punish me, may I lose my eyesight and die, if I said even a single word about you to anyone. May I have neither house nor home. Vankin's sincerity admitted of no doubt. It was evident that it was not he who had gossiped. But who was it? Who? Akiniev asked himself, going over in his mind all his acquaintances, and striking his chest. Who was it?